to the lost souls, the disintegrated spirits, the wanderers, the dreamers, and the seekers. Welcome to the Embodied Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Danielle McGinnis. Our work in this podcast will be to foster healing, transformation, self-expression, creativity, and the development of consciousness. So with our intentions grounded firmly, let's settle in and do some integration work. Hey friends, happy Sunday and welcome back to another episode of the Embodied Podcast. If you guys are loving what you're hearing on the show, I would really appreciate it if you slid over to iTunes, dropped a five-star rating or a written review and just let me know what you are loving about the show and what you want to hear more of. Those ratings and reviews help get the show organically into more ears and more souls across the world. So if you've already done that, thank you so much. In today's episode, I want to unpack a post that I had made on Instagram last week that a lot of people had engaged with, messaged me, and I wanted to do a whole podcast on it to really just kind of pull pull, pull on some different threads within the post because, as we know, social media can be very kind of three-dimensional and you know the words can get skewed into our own perception of particular things and I think this kind of long form podcasting can help um, just give it flavor give it context and give give you more to contemplate with the content so the post said that not many discuss the immensity of grief that accompanies a return to life, the retrieval of the part of the soul that has been living in the quasi-death state called dissociation. And my intention in the post was to allow people to understand why when you're doing trauma work or you're working through past experiences of trauma you can actually feel worse before you feel better and that's super normal but I think that we don't necessarily understand the immensity of the grief that accompanies this process and so I want to go into that so first and foremost um, I like to do etymological unpacking of of words and so grief the root of grief means heavy heavy and weight its sanskrit roots mean heavy weighty venerable and so not until the early 13th centuries did grief become associated with hardship suffering pain bodily afflictions And so we can see as the evolution of consciousness continued and as we began to expand, grief started to take on this kind of really subjective existential experience for us. And I really want to pause and talk about grief as heavy, the heaviness that accompanies grief. Because in this post, I think that there is a particular somatic experience of the weight that 
grief brings with it. And uh, I have the book, it's called How Emotions Are Made by Lisa Barrett. And it's pretty scientific and it's very research-based, but she talks about grief on page 269 a little bit, very briefly. But she said that grief has the neurochemical basis of attachment, body budgeting, and affect. In humans, loss and the grief that accompanies it can wreak havoc on your body budget and cause much distress that opens and operates similarly to drug withdrawal. When one creature loses an attachment who helped keep the body budget on track, the first creature will feel miserable from the budget imbalance. The weight of carrying, balancing your own somatic experience on your own. And in this particular post, I was talking about the threshold of moving from dissociative experience and kind of living in this other realm, this other self-state, this other reality that is like a particular attachment that keeps your body functioning and your psyche functioning in a way that you can afford to be here. But what happens is that we sacrifice what being here actually means. We are here at a cost of a particular sense of aliveness because in the dissociative realm, full aliveness would mean complete threat, danger, terror, um, loss of the system. And so moving from dissociation to a return to life here means a sacrifice of the attachment to that dissociative reality. And Phil Bromberg states, at the point the patient begins to abandon the absolute truth of their dissociative reality in favor of an internal conflict in human relatedness, the patient discovers there is no path without pain. So i.e., here's where the weight of grief comes into the picture. The interesting thing is that instead of us having an understanding of how much we've attached to these quasi-death states called dissociation and we're associated to that reality, what we do is we attach to particular objects or particular behaviors. And the same thing could be said that maybe we don't necessarily perceive those as living in dissociation but I think when we start to surrender our attachment to particular individuals or to particular behaviors, we go through this immense experience of grief because we're returning to life and the life that is a life full of conflict and the complexities of relating to the present moment experience, which has a particular weight to it. It carries a particular burden to it that dissociative reality doesn't necessarily carry. Paul Russell states that we have to presume that the pain accompanying this type of grief 
is extreme, among the most painful of life's experiences. Again, going back to this book on how emotions are made, she's saying that an experience of grief can wreak havoc on on the way in which we have habitually coded our body's affective experience, our emotional experience, and the way we have habitually attached to particular things. And when that gets disrupted and we don't have psychosomatic flexibility, grief can be so overwhelming to the system that the process of coming into quote-unquote life, real life, the life of internal conflict, of complexity, of nuance, of relatedness, that isn't necessarily present in dissociative reality, that can be incredibly disorienting because it disrupts our habitual states of not having to carry the weight of inner conflicts, of not having to carry the weight of relating to complex human beings. Because in the dissociative reality, it's, again, it's like a quasi-death state. It's like we're going through the motions of it but there's not necessarily a full felt sense of the complexity of the nuance and so I think that grief really makes real the threshold of of moving from that death to life or life to death state because when clients are moving from living their whole lives in this kind of dissociative reality that is disconnected from the here and now and disconnected from the relational experience, no matter how they're doing that. Returning to life can bring this immensity of of grief. And I think it's important to talk about this because I think this is where shame and judgment can so easily sneak into the process because there's this perception that if I'm moving out of dissociation into the complexity of here and now, that I quote-unquote should feel better. And that's not necessarily the case because sometimes you have to go and process all of this unprocessed grief and weight of what it means to be a person in the here and now. And that is an immense task. And it can feel worse so the, the question becomes, like, why don't I just go back to that dissociative, disconnected reality? Why would I enter into life if it carries with it this type of pain and grief? Well, living in that dissociative reality comes at a great cost. It comes at a sacrifice of disconnecting from the present moment and disconnecting from intimacy, relational experience felt sense of what it means to be alive all of that is sacrificed to live in this dissociative reality and so we have to talk about this because it's quite normal because we have these ideals about what quote-unquote real life is and real life is complex real life is painful real life is has that heaviness to it but it's with our ability to navigate that in a flexible way that we really start to feel alive in here. 
But if we don't have that, if we don't have that kind of psychosomatic flexibility, these returns to life can feel like death. And it is a death. It's a death to the attachment of a particular way of being. And so we want to treat it as such. When we're crossing thresholds between different realities, dissociative reality, and what we call the reality of relational experience and the here and now, um, when we're crossing thresholds, any crossing of a threshold can be disorienting because the perceptions of each threshold are, are, are brought up into question. And again, this is where like the shoulds, I should feel better or this shouldn't feel this way or why do I feel this grief or this heaviness if we don't normalize that that's a part of crossing thresholds then what happens is those like shoulds and the judgment on the way that you're experiencing the crossing of a threshold can actually pull you back into your habitual state and you know as you're crossing the threshold from living in this dissociative cycle into a cycle of complexity and the here and now if something comes up that's like i shouldn't be this sad just notice how that can pull you right back into that dissociative state and it's like but you are that sad you have to learn to hold and create capacity in your experience to be where you are so i often find that that there are a number of things that instead of facing the grief of crossing the threshold into a different way of being or letting go of the attachment to one particular state of of being I made a list of things that might pull you back into your habitual state to avoid the grief. That's shame. Shaming yourself for where you're at. Lack of support. If you don't have somebody, as she she talked about in How Emotions Are Made, this crossing of the threshold, the disruption of a habitual state, the entrance of grief can feel so stressful to the system. And so if you don't know how to, to... contain and manage that yourself and you don't have someone offering guardrails of your system or your process the lack of support can also pull you back to where you were before you were crossing the threshold Um, another thing that i i listed out here is morality that's imposed upon your experience whether it's coming from this inner faculty that is judging your experience or whether it's coming from outside and other people are judging your experience of giving you an uh, imposed timeline oh it's been this long so you shouldn't be this affected or your own imposition of judgment on your own process you know it's not that bad you can get back out there that that type of stuff imposes again a morality of you shouldn't be where you're at or there's something wrong with where you're at or the reason you are where you are is because you're being punished by some divine figure that's also a morality that's imposed upon our experience 
Another one is the inability to contain high activation states like chaos or disorientation. That kind of goes with the lack of support. If you don't have containment or guardrails on your system, the stress that accompanies this crossing of the threshold can be um, so overwhelming that it pulls your system back into that quasi-death state. I'm going to act like I'm dead here because I can't handle this. And then another one that comes up is that unconscious impulse to controlling the outcome of how you cross the threshold into life. And so if there's not an ability to kind of be flexible with that process and there's still an impulse to have this look a certain way, the important thing is to try to find where that impulse towards control is within your psyche soma so that we can learn to relate to that part of you so that we can allow that part to we can let that part know that it can relax that this is normal that spontaneous unfolding is actually okay so all of these ways are ways that we can get stuck in that kind of habitual quasi-death dissociative realm when we're moving towards coming into life. But again, I think it's really important because we usually only associate grief with death, with literal death, like the loss of, of somebody. And the association with grief in life, I think, is really important to bring forward because we get so surprised when it wells up within us when we have these big transitions, changes, threshold experiences in our psychological or somatic experience. So just normalizing the fact that grief is stressful, it's heavy, and it's intense. And it's really important for us to understand and honor the immensity of what grief can bring and recognizing that if it's just another stressor that is innate we need to learn how to relate to that and titrate it and pull it out in these slow ways so that we can actually process our experience and and with that we can start to feel a little bit more alive so with this i just invite you to take what you want leave the rest as always, these podcasts are me just kind of circling around a bunch of ideas and things that I've come up with in my own personal experience, in my own practice, and recognizing that if you're actually feeling more alive and then there's grief associated with that, there's nothing wrong. That's a normal part of the process. So I hope that you guys have a great week and we will chat soon. Bye guys.